here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Round Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott are here. Regular season is behind us now. Uh, fantasy football championships are all done. Obviously, from the last time we spoke, there was uh, some major news involving the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Damar Hamlin, obviously, was a big issue. Uh, we did kind of give a quick update there before we put out the last week's episode. And... Lo and behold, uh, something that was an extremely upsetting and horrible sight on on national TV with a lot of fingers crossed and prayers being asked uh, looks to be pretty good. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll touch base on that. But it does look like Damar Hamlin is uh, heading home, being released from the hospital as we started to record this show. Uh, so that's great news to hear. Everybody out there, hopefully you got some good news if you had any fantasy football championships coming into this week that needed to be settled in week 18. Pat, uh, I've long been done. Uh, I know our league of record has finally ended. Uh, any updates beyond that? And, and do you want to spill the beans since you are the commissioner of that league? Yeah, so we ended up having to, we decided to go since the Buffalo Cincinnati game was not being replayed. We decided to go just to a straight week 18 matchup for the championship. Normally our league does a two week championship, but we, you know, obviously we didn't want anybody to be behind or, or, you know, missing players or whatever from week 17. So we just did a, a straight up week 18 matchup and uh, Rob Toledo ended up winning our league of record this year. He basically was, I guess what wire to wire winner, right? I mean, he was pretty much in or close to, First place the entire season had a ton of draft picks coming into the season, mostly yours. Uh, they were. I, I, <laughs> I, I literally I texted him in, in the group last night and just said, you know, congratulations and you're welcome. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I guess those picks did help. <laughs> it's like, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, you know, he basically doubled up every round, one through nine, and and then I think he might have even had a couple other things he made through deals. But yeah, he survived the gauntlet. He was pretty much dominant every week, hardly lost a game along the way and, and hats off to you, Rob. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I, I am happy to report that the, the two leagues that I was still in, you know, contention in, I did win both of those leagues Our our dynasty league that we started last year. Uh, even though I had a bunch of bills that did not play week 17, it did not uh, drop my final score low enough to knock me out of first place. So, I uh, ended up winning that that league, and uh, what was if I win it again next year? That that'll be it, right? That's uh, two yeah, years in a row, and you're two. Yeah, the back to back. Yeah, was supposed to be the emperor concept, but if it builds year by year, the first back to back winner, it could go on for twenty years, and that whole pot, side pot becomes. Uh, yeah, that yeah, becomes pretty massive after a while. All yours, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, though, you know, like you said, maybe you kind of kill it off. We'll see if it runs past that. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah, it doesn't uh, seem to be a, a very active league as far as you know, owners talking and things like that, and trades and stuff. So, um, you know, maybe that'll pick up as we all get a little bit more comfortable with, with each other. This is only the second year, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, I did also win my ESPN league, which was also a two-week final. So nice. uh, two championships this year. Uh, you know, not a terrible 
That was what two out of nine leagues. So twenty two percent is is not too bad uh, no. as far as a winning percentage goes. I, I'll take that at a at a poker uh, in poker tournaments any day of the week. So uh, I guess I'll take it in fantasy football as well. I see, and folks here at the nine route, it, it just goes to show you that my keen observations, Pat was listening. Um, so you can win your leagues. That's two years in a row. We helped somebody. Uh, we helped a coworker of Pat's last year and, and I was able to uh, help Pat win his uh, two <laughs> championships there. So please like, and subscribe. Don't forget. We are on tons of different social media and, and things of that nature. If you want to check out our website, we are at www.the9routeffb.com. We are at gmail if you're looking to send us a little email uh give us a heads up congratulate pat on his wins uh ask me anything you need for any of that keen insight pat too don't forget don't forget him uh, but all kidding aside we are uh the nine route ffb at gmail.com uh we are on twitter uh, at the nine route one i am at scott from delco uh our podcast is on podbean apple podcast youtube if you're looking to like and subscribe on there Got a couple other spots there, Pat? Yeah, we, we're pretty much, like I said, we're pretty much everywhere. We're on iHeartRadio, Audible. Pretty, like I said, we're pretty much everywhere except for Spotify because screw Spotify. But uh, everywhere else, you can pretty much find us, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Just so that everybody is aware, we are going to be going over our weekly news injury segment, which a couple of moves made and, and some key injuries heading into the playoffs that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're also going to be down to one episode from our normal two from here on out with, uh, you know, just a handful of teams playing and no real fantasy implications as far as, you know, maybe if you're doing some sort of like playoff fantasy thing or something like that. But there's too many of those for us to, uh, you know, to individually go over all the different players and, and things like that. So kind of going to be on your own with that one. But I think if you've made it this far, you, you probably know what you're doing a little bit. So we're going to be down to one episode a week. And we decided this year to delve into our first fantasy awards episode. We are going to, we have that episode in between the uh, AFC NFC championship games and the Super Bowl, where they normally play the pro bowl. And last year we struggled to, to come up with, you know, material for that. And so this year, what we're going to do is we're going to have some fantasy awards uh, you know, your your fantasy MVP, your biggest bust, you know, things like that. Uh, we're going to do that nine route style. We've got, you know, some names picked out for the different awards and, and we'll go through all that. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter. We are going to put some polls out on Twitter the week leading up to our fantasy awards so that you can go on and vote for your fantasy MVP for, you know, maybe the, the guy that uh, that held your team back or, or let your team down in the playoffs. We got. Uh, like I said, we had a bunch of different categories for that. So uh, make sure that you're following us on social media so that when we put those out, you can you can help us out and you can vote on those and, you know, maybe get a little venting out for, uh, you know, some of the players that you uh, are a little upset about for not carrying you to a fantasy championship. <laughs> All right. So we do have six games to talk about today. So we should probably dive into the news and the injury updates so that we save ourselves some time to really get into these games. Do you, uh, you want to kick us off with the first one? Time for the news. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I remember, I, I know we talked about this right before we got on it. Uh, I remember listening to, um, it was a Boomer and show. They were doing a, a rehash with some of the picks that they made for the weekend. And 
they basically said, put your house on the Houston Texans. Uh, I'm sorry, on the Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. And that was because the Texans are trying to lock up the first pick and they should uh, lose with dignity, I believe, was the quote that was made during that show. Kind of made me laugh. Um, you know, you see teams aren't trying to tank or are trying to tank. And, they, and all they had to do was lose the game gracefully and they would have edged out the Bears for the number one pick. Uh, lo and behold, uh, Lovey Smith rallied the troops against the Indianapolis Colts, who aren't a great team. Sam Ellinger was starting, and they pretty much controlled the game. It did get a little spicy there at the end. Texans held on for a 32-31 game. Davis Mills had a, probably his best game of the season. Brandon Cooks looked to be alive again. They got a bunch of people involved. It was a great game for the Texans, and it spoiled their number one overall draft pick chances. The Bears beat them out for that. Uh, whether or not that was tied into it, Lovey Smith fired was kind of maybe some writing on the wall as Texans head coach. That two-point conversion must have been the thing that got him fired. <laughs> um, again, you know, that remains to be seen. I'm, it's only speculation. Uh, so far, the news, and some of this even dates back to last season, uh, it looks like the Texans are reaching out to some former players as well as some names of coaches that they want to get involved that, that were on the radar last year. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who was one of their best all-time defenders, uh, linebacker that played there, played for the Eagles for a little bit too. He is in the whisper wire of coaching concepts. And again, with that defense out there in San Fran, not surprised. Jonathan Gannon, Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator, who was uh, heavily recruited by them last year. And then for some reason or another, it looked like he just kind of got pushed to the side. Lovey Smith was a more experienced gentleman by leaps and bounds. And uh, finally, Shane Steichen, uh, Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, the last two, I know Pat and I was joking uh, around that uh, they're both former Indianapolis Colts coordinators uh, and you know position coaches and whatnot. So being in the same division with Houston for a few years and then seeing the success they've had uh, definitely puts them in that wheelhouse of you know, potential coaches for that team. So there's three names right now, and we'll see what happens, uh, obviously, with the offseason. Texans will try to get that wrapped up and start the game plan with the number two, uh, but they do have two first-round <laughs> picks. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's just hard to believe. Uh, but they do have the number two overall, and then because of the Deshaun Watson trade, they also hold Cleveland's pick at number 12. So uh, the Bears might hold them ransom and, and make them have to trade those two to get up to one if they want to lock in Bryce Young or unless they have designs on on some free agent quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, they tied the Colts with the first game of the season, right? They played them week one, and and that was their their one tie. And uh, coming down to the wire, I, you know, I wasn't paying that much attention to that game because, you know, of all the other playoff implication games that were going on. But when I noticed that, uh, it, you know, on Red Zone that they said that they were going for two and going for the win, I'm like, hey, you know, after you tie a team once, I guess, you know, once is enough. And, and uh, Lovey Smith was like, we're either going to win this thing or lose this thing right here and won the game and, and lost his job. Like you said, I, you know, I don't necessarily know if they – if they had lost the game, if he would have kept his job, but that makes four head coaches in four years. Uh, next year will be five in five years for the Houston Texans. So they, they put out a statement saying something about, you know, we're committed to winning and giving our fans this and that or whatever. But to me, you can't use the word committed when, you know, you've, you've had four different relationships in the, in the past four years. So uh, that, that doesn't really <laughs> scream commitment to me. That seems, uh, you know, we're, Flapping in the wind here, trying to find somebody that's going to, you know, not finish in last place in the league. So 
But it means, uh, you, it means you might need to be committed, not that you are committed. Right. Yeah, if you're going right. to go through it like that. Exactly. It, it, to use the word commitment, I thought was funny in their statement. That's, you know, that was kind of the point. But uh, another head coach was fired this week. Cliff Kingsbury fired as Cardinals head coach, which is strange because he just signed a uh, an extension last year, a five-year extension, extending him out until 2027. So now the Cardinals organization is going to have to pay him all of that money uh, that he just signed for last year while he works probably for another organization somewhere being coordinator of some sort, I'm guessing. But uh, I, I know for the few Arizona fans that I know, they're happy that, that Kingsbury is out. I, I don't think that he has met his expectations in Arizona. And, you know, I think that it, it's, it was time for him to go. I think the writing was on the wall that the Cardinals had been uh, so up and down and it just seems like every season they just they always finished on a down note and that's just not something you know you're not going to win a super bowl uh you know unless you're finishing uh you know on a hot streak and and not a, a losing streak and and that seemed to be cliff kingsbury's mo so he is now out in arizona yeah not surprised um i know a few times i've questioned different things on the show and just talking with you about you know coaching calls and, and different things like that and it just yeah, uh, you know, losing record 28, 37, and 1. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I don't think ever made the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, One year, I believe they made the playoffs. But uh, they were out in the first round. Gotcha. I'm not, and, if I'm not mistaken. And then, ah, uh, yes, I apologize. It was uh, it was last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they, they um, started 7-0. and They ended on a down streak, and then they, I think they lost to – they lose to the – Someone in their division, they lose to San Francisco last year. They lost. Or the Rams. I'm pretty sure it was a division opponent. They, Oh, yeah, that was the Rams. Yes. Yeah, because that was coming off of that other Rams game where they got embarrassed. I think it was Monday Night Football, if I'm not mistaken. And then they had to play Arizona again. Uh, Rams oh, yeah, and Arizona yeah, yeah. played real quick. Um, so, yeah, not surprised Cliff Kingsbury is gone, maybe goes back to college. I, I just never liked it when he took over the job. They, not that he – was great, but got rid of Josh Rosen right away, who was a first-round overall pick, brought in Kyler Murray. I, I just don't think he's going to be successful as a quarterback. And uh, I know they said that Steve Kime uh, was taking a leave of absence as well, the general manager who was married to him because of that contract and and Kyler's contract and different things like that. So, yeah, that may be uh, a bit of a house cleaning there, uh, to say the least. And they hold the third overall pick, so there's a pretty good chance they may look to get to that rebuild. Yeah, definitely. The Cleveland Browns also fired their defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. Uh, not a you know real big thing. I don't think Joe Woods is on anybody's list to become uh, a head coach or, or anything like that. I mean, obviously, if you can't be a defensive coordinator, I think head coach is, is you know, you're taking a promotion to head coach. So I don't think that's a, you know, a huge piece of news, but just a, a job that we already know is going to be open moving into next year. And uh, just a couple injuries we're going to go over real quick. Uh, Gus Edwards. Injured, uh, it was a head injury in the game versus the Bengals this week. He did not return as of right now. His status is unknown. He has not been placed in the concussion protocol uh, as of yet, but that is not something that is out of the question. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, if he gets placed in the protocol, can he clear that protocol in time to play against the Bengals again next week for their first round playoff matchup? Next on the list, uh, this one could come back to haunt. Mike Williams uh, ended up not returning after injuring, I believe it was his lower back, and 
Currently, x-rays are negative. Uh, should be able to go this week. He has been uh, a little banged up as the entire receiving <laughs> core has been of the Los Angeles Chargers throughout the season. They didn't have a ton to play for, I don't believe, in that game. So, you know, Mike Williams being out there, maybe being overused a little bit. Brandon Staley, I know some people were questioning a couple things there, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they make out. But he did not return in that game against the Broncos. They did go on to lose that game. And the Chargers will be going to Jacksonville to play this weekend. Uh, they are the nightcap on Saturday night. So hopefully Mike Williams will be out there uh, to help the Chargers to a victory. Yeah, I think they said back spasms was the the official okay. word on that after they finally you know ran tests and then uh, a contusion, which is you know just a fancy word for a bruise. Raheem Mostert injured his thumb yesterday versus the Jets. Did not return. Uh, again, his status is unknown. I don't think this is anything that's going to keep Mostert out of a playoff game. But uh, you know, once again, and Miami was in a little bit different situation. They weren't resting anybody they needed to win to get in and it took pretty much uh, all hands on deck to do that versus the Jets this week but you know just in case Mostert doesn't play looks like the Dolphins will probably be leaning on Jeff Wilson at the running back position uh, against the Buffalo Bills this week and finally it's uh, it was listed as an illness did not play that would be Mike Evans uh, probably needed a week off since he did two weeks worth of work <laughs> like in that Carolina game uh, you know we all know some people Love or hate Mike Evans for the rest of his life. No offense. No, we don't hate you, Mike. You're awesome. But yeah, should be uh, good to go. Monday Night Football, the final game of Wild Card Weekend. Tampa Bay hosts the Dallas Cowboys. So Mike Evans, yes, sat out probably just to make sure. Again, Tampa Bay had no uh, no skin in the game. Just make sure we get out of this week without any injuries. They've been banged up pretty much throughout the season as well. And, and hopefully he will help take them to the next round, to the divisional round uh, against Dallas on Monday night. So Mike Evans should be good to go. Yeah, he uh, he got his 1,000 yards uh, in week 17 and just decided to take week 18 off, I think. That's, that's how that worked. He was like, hey, I hit that mark. All right, I'm good. I start my career with, was it nine straight years now of 1,000 yards for, for Mike Evans? So pretty amazing accomplishment, honestly, when you think about it, because 1,000 yards is difficult to get, and to get it every single year that you've been in the league is uh, – is quite impressive. So hopefully Evans will be out there against Dallas because uh, I would absolutely love to see Tampa Bay win that game. But uh, I digress. We're going to get into the games here in a minute. Uh, any other, there wasn't any other injuries that I can think of, right? No, uh, nothing. I think a lot of teams played it safe. We did see, you know, some played a quarter or a half. Uh, only the games that were really the most meaningful uh, of all that was a nail biter for. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of get where they were at. I remember just catching it. My my boss was saying something about it. I'm like, oh, wow, they iced the kicker. And then he goes and misses and hits the upright, and they get lucky. And I can't imagine why Baker Mayfield would have thrown an interception in overtime. <laughs> uh, and Seattle gets a chance, and Jason Myers redeems himself. So, yeah, it was, it was a good uh, good week altogether. I know I, I didn't get to watch as much, but seeing how that came down to the last couple of games and then even the nightcap where Detroit played the role of spoiler – uh, and knocked uh, Green Bay out of the playoffs as well. So Seattle was able to secure it. Came down to the last uh, last game of the season. So 18 weeks, who knows, 19, 20. We'll see how many more they get up to. <laughs> Probably need every game, though. Wild card matchups. All right, what do you say we jump into uh, these wild card matchups? We're going to take them in the order that they're going to be played. So the 430 game on Saturday is... 
Seattle at San Francisco. The Seahawks are a 10-point underdog in that game. Over-under is currently at 43. What we did last year was we just talked a little bit about the games, and then we, again, this is not a betting podcast, but you know, to keep it fun, keep it exciting, keep it interesting, Scott and I are going to we're going to pick against the spread. We're going to pick the overall just money line winner straight up. And then we're also going to pick an over under and just track how we do. Uh, as we've said before on this podcast, it's just a way for us to to kind of have fun, pick these games, compete against each other and, uh, you know, kind of keep things light and fun and and a little bit competitive because because that's how we do here at the nine route. So uh, let's look at this first game, the. Seahawks and the 49ers, this will be their third meeting, obviously being uh, division opponents. The 49ers have swept the season series two to nothing and have only allowed 20 total points in both of these games combined, 13 and one, seven in the other. I mean, I think San Francisco is a better team on both sides of the ball. Their coach is a more creative play caller. I know that you're not a huge Kyle Shanahan fan, but I mean, you know, when compared to you know, crusty old Pete Carroll out there in Seattle. Uh, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan is a, is a bit of a, a boy wonder, as they say. Plus, San Francisco's at home in this one. And I know they say that it's hard to beat a team three times in the same season. But in this case, I, I think it's just harder to beat San Francisco, period. Over their last six games, the Niners have scored 30-plus points five of those games and have only given up 20-plus points once. Uh, and they're on a 10-game winning streak coming into this game. So, uh, you know, I, I just think everything here is leaning towards San Francisco, obviously. They're the, you know, the number two seed, uh, division champ, uh, really good offensive pieces, really good defense. Is I think this is going to be a really tough game for Seattle. As an Eagles fan, personally, San Francisco is the team that scares me the most, so I would love to see Seattle win this game. I wouldn't mind getting this pick wrong. But uh, for me, I just think San Francisco is going to come out and show up for this game and absolutely dominate. So I am taking the 49ers, giving the 10 points, uh, obviously, to win and to win and cover by 10. And I'm going to take the under because I think this is going to be a defensive game. I think that while San Francisco can score, uh, I think that Seattle is going to struggle. And I think this is going to be uh, I think we're going to start our wild card weekend with a blowout win by San Francisco. All right. Uh, well, you know, you don't like Pete Carroll. You know, he's, he looks like he's got like, you know, butterscotches in his pocket and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, compared to, you know, yeah, compared to Kyle Shanahan, who's over there vaping on the sidelines and stuff. <laughs> um, no, okay. So, no, I, I think now that he's got better offensive pieces, yeah, you got, you got McCaffrey out there. And if you have Debo healthy, um, you know, I think it's going to come down to, to if Brock Purdy can just ignore the the moment of a playoff game hosting a home playoff game with that uh where the crowd could turn on you and, and stuff like that but overall geno smith great year um i mean technically has potential i guess his comeback player of the year you know i don't know how that's mm -hmm. if that's going to work out that way but yeah you've seen that seattle isn't in quite the same class uh yes two division games don't disagree third time's a charm the revenge factor there there's always that potential for that upset because maybe they just showed their cards too much in those two games. Who knows? Because uh, I don't think a lot of people thought Seattle was going to get in the way that they did with, you know, the Green Bay loss and, and everything else to that fact. But at the end of the day, I do feel that, yes, the better team is San Francisco. They should advance. I like them on the money line straight up. I'm more of a money line guy than a points guy. I like Seattle to cover mainly because, to me, that 10-point swing, when you really look at it, it, 
neither game, uh, well, I shouldn't say neither game. First game of the year was a bit of a blowout, uh, definitely by 20 points. But the second game was a little bit tighter. Seattle was playing for their playoff lives. In San Francisco, it's a long season. These guys are grinding. They're not going to get a week off. Uh, you know, there's no bye week for either team. So they're going to go right into this, knowing what each other brings. And I do think as well, because of that, the Seattle Seahawks will cover the 10 points. San Francisco will win. And it's going to be a little bit of a grind. I don't I don't think a blowout. You know, I, I feel like it's going to be something in that range and definitely an under. To me, it's honestly going to be something like a 19 to 10 San Francisco win. Uh, so everybody kind of gets their share of the pie in my eye on that level. Uh, so I like San Francisco money line. I like Seattle taking the 10 points uh, and getting you some some cheese on that. And under 43 and a half, I think, is a definite. It's a first game of the playoffs, and I think some of these teams take it easy. Yeah, playoff games are usually closer games. I, I generally, when there's this many points in a playoff game, I will generally take the points. But uh, I just I don't know. I have this feeling about San Francisco. I just feel like they're I don't know. I feel like they're on a mission. Let's move on to the second game, the Saturday night game, which is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jacksonville comes into this game as a home dog. The Chargers are a one and a half point favorite. The over under in this one is forty seven and a half. You know, this is this is actually, you know, watching the uh, I think it was the ESPN broadcast last night. This is the closest game as far as like the simulations go. This is each team technically has a, a 50-50 chance, which is obviously why the spread is what it is. But uh, the Chargers are one of two road favorites in this one. And I think that they have the offensive weapons to beat anybody in the AFC. The problem is they haven't been able to put it all together for any consistent stretch so far this year. And Jacksonville has the last few weeks has been playing really good in all three phases. Plus they're going to have the home crowd there cheering them on, making things difficult for the chargers offense by, you know, making a ton of noise. And uh, you know, I think that this is going to be one of the closer games uh, of the weekend. And I think we've all seen that Brandon Staley has kind of proven that he makes poor decisions and especially makes poor decisions in close games. So for this one, I am going with Duval taking the Jags in this one with the point and a half. I think they're going to win straight up. But I also like both teams to score in this game. The Jaguars defense has been playing well, but the Chargers have not. And I think that, you know, for both of these teams, uh, they're they're going to kind of lean on their offenses in this game, and uh, and I really like the over in this one. Even though it's one of the higher over unders of the week, I think that's because uh, there's definitely a potential for this game to be a shootout. Uh, Jacksonville generally has nice weather this time of year, so you're not going to see you know even though it's an outdoor game, you're not going to see uh, the weather play a factor. Now, if it does for whatever reason, you, you know you see like a, a storm roll in, and this game ends up being, you know, in the rain or whatever, then, you know, I may change my tune. But looking at it from where I'm sitting right now, uh, I think Jacksonville has a really good shot at this. I like their coach a lot better. I like their defense a lot better. Their special teams has been playing a lot better. And Trevor Lawrence is getting to the point now where I don't think he's as good as Justin Herbert right now. But I think another year goes by, I, I think you're going to be looking at these two guys as very similar options when it comes to, you know, how good of a quarterback they are, how good of a leader they are. 
And, uh, you know, obviously we're a fantasy football podcast, so how good of a fantasy asset that they are as well. So I, I really like, uh, you know, I said last week, Jacksonville, you know, when they beat Tennessee, which I believe that they were going to do, this is the, the start of the dominance uh, of this AFC South for Jacksonville. I think that they're with Trevor Lawrence, with Doug Peterson, they're going to win this division more than they lose it over the next, you know, three or four years, maybe, maybe even more than that. So uh, I really like Jacksonville in this game at home. Uh, this is one where I think we pretty much agree uh, across, across the board. The board. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's small revenge factor the week three uh, Jacksonville 38 to 10 over the chargers who are already a very banged up team right off the bat. Uh, Justin Herbert had busted ribs from the opening night. Uh, of his season. And I, I think there could be a small factor there, obviously. Yeah, revenge, I think, kind of goes out the window, though, because it's a playoff game and you you have to stay focused on the, the task at hand. Jacksonville winners of five straight, including the game against Tennessee on Saturday to get into the playoffs. Chargers had won four straight and then lost again, uh, lost this game to the Broncos, who uh, again, for for a final game of the season with uh, what appeared to be better coaching, but really seemed to bring things together and you know won a 31-28 game, meaningless for them, but not so much so as to show that maybe there is something there uh, that can be rallied, uh, whether it be Russell Wilson and his career and and things of that nature. Who knows? Uh, the Chargers to me are. I think the injuries are a factor. Uh, when you look at the the point differential from the season, Jacksonville's a plus 54. The Chargers are only a plus seven. Uh, so that means that, you know, last year the Chargers put up a lot of points and then it got near the end of the season. And it, it just kind of fell apart because, again, of bad coaching calls, like you said, with Brandon Staley, amongst other things. But this time around, I just don't think they're strong enough on both sides of the ball to go into Jacksonville against this team. And like you said, that aura of, home field playoff uh, again, Trevor Lawrence, and you kind of just touched on it, whether Trevor Lawrence is actually better than Justin Herbert. Uh, they're both highly touted, but obviously Trevor Lawrence was the more successful college quarterback. And we go back to another thing that I think does run through the playoffs. We talked about it in the previous matchup is coaching. Uh, Doug Peterson is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He won a Super Bowl with the 2017 Eagles, uh, a team that wasn't really expected to get there after all the injuries, yet, yet they had had a great season. Uh, him and his coaching staff rallied that team around a backup quarterback and a lot of injuries to beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So to see him go down to Jacksonville this season and start to get a young quarterback who has his college running back, a nice offensive line, a very young and hungry defense, and take them to the playoffs, which, again, Tennessee – lost, what, five straight games to also help that out. But Jacksonville had to win, and they did. And I think they win, and I think this is a Jacksonville money line. This is a Jacksonville spread. They're, if anything, this game should be a pick em. This line, to me, is a little suspect. Uh, and Vegas usually isn't good for that. And I do like the under. I think it'll be a little bit slow-paced. I think, uh, especially, again, I think people think the Chargers just have that high-octane offense. If Mike Williams is banged up, we know Keenan Allen, everybody else – uh, you know, all season long, it's been it's been a struggle for for them to really stay healthy and stay competitive. They did win four straight before this loss, but it was a tough game against the Dolphins. They eked one out against the Titans, and then they beat up one the Colts and the Rams, which is not hard to do. 
I think 24-20 Jacksonville, and that keeps me under the 47 and a half. And uh, Dougie P is going to be riding high, like you said, in Duval. <laughs> All right, the first game on Sunday is at 1 o'clock is going to be Miami at Buffalo. These two teams split their season series with Miami beating Buffalo way back in week three, and then Buffalo returning the favor uh, recently here in week 15. Both of those games were closely contested with Miami winning in week three by just two points and Buffalo winning in week 15 by just three points. If Tua plays, which I, I'm, you know, he's been out two weeks, I believe he should be ready to come back. I see a very similar outcome in this, a close game that comes down to, you know, probably the final possession. I think Buffalo is the better team overall and they're playing at home. But I do think that Miami head coach Mike McDaniel will bring his A game to this one and keep this game entertaining and close. This is probably the game that I'm most looking forward to watching this weekend. You know, I, I really just like watching the Bills play, but Miami's offense with Tua under center is a, a different animal. And uh, I think this is going to be a really good, really close, and really entertaining game. I am taking Buffalo in this one to win, but the point spread being 10.5 in this one. That's just, to me, that is absolutely insane. I don't understand. This is the one, like the the, the Chargers-Jags uh, one, uh, yeah, that was a little, I was, I was puzzled by that. I thought that would be a pick as well. But this one, Miami plus 10.5 is absolutely insane. I think that um, I may actually bet this game <laughs> right now because it, it, I'm assuming that they have to, they're putting this line out with the assumption that Tua is not going to play, but I don't see any you know any reason or or honestly anything that would keep him out of this game other than you know the doctors for the team saying you you can't go in this one i think he's going to want to get out there and play and i think he's going to do everything in his power to do that and i think the team wants him out there so uh if if he plays i think 10 and a half is a ludicrous number i'm absolutely taking miami with the points i'm gonna take buffalo straight up and uh i'm also going to take the over in this one again assuming two plays i think both of these teams can score you know, Miami's defense isn't, hasn't been great this year at stopping the pass. So Buffalo is definitely going to put up some points. Uh, I think Miami will will follow suit and keep it close. And uh, and I like the over in this one just for the fact that, you know, both of these teams with their dynamic weapons can – they can put points on the board. Then they both have at various points throughout this season. Yeah. Uh, again, I think we're kind of in uh, a fair amount of agreement with this one. Uh, yeah. Going back, split the season series, you know, obviously a major factor, I think really is with any decision, you know, you know, when you're evaluating the game is yes, is the number one quarterback in Miami going to play and is he going to be all kidding aside, level-headed. He's had multiple concussion issues this season. And I think considering what just happened with the bills, and uh, Cincinnati game with, again, something uh, you know, way more serious in, in, in that avenue, but that the injury concepts there, uh, they already got called on the carpet for it. And we know the concussion protocols have been uh, heavily enforced and, and there's no joke. It's not a matter of position. If he's not ready, they can't clear him and he just won't play. And for being, you know, one of the highest rated quarterbacks based on efficiency throughout the season, it does stink if he does not get to go. Um, I think if Teddy Bridgewater ends up being the starter, uh, I think that that if he's okay to go with the finger I, again, you know, we'll see how that goes. 
you know, some people aren't as into that as, as you would be. And I, I get it. You know, it's, it's not Tua. It's not the guy that got you to arguably the playoffs, but he was also a guy that had some rough patches over the season. I think a lot of that has to do with maybe the head injuries and, and hopefully uh, that doesn't affect him beyond this season. Uh, if Bridgewater gets in there, he did have some relief duty and he did have one game. It was a loss against the Minnesota Vikings, but he was 23 or 34 for 329. He threw two touchdowns. He also threw two picks and was sacked five times. So uh, he is capable of putting up some numbers on his side. Now, whether he gets the points up there, we will see. I do think the offensive innovation is there. I think the close game is there. And Pat, I'm with you. I like Buffalo on the money line. I like uh, Miami to cover that 10 and a half point spread. Now, if it's Skylar Thompson at quarterback, I would like to change my vote. Uh, currently, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, think we're both in the same me. boat as me, uh, as, especially too. And the over of 43 and a half, I kind of feel that, that the combined average of the two teams from this year uh, was 50 and a half points. So I kind of like a 31 to 27 Buffalo win. Obviously, it'll get a little more out of hand if you're dealing with uh, Skylar Thompson. May not be as close with Teddy, but I think he can hang in there and, and they would make the offense different. That Raheem Mostert thing hopefully doesn't play a factor and. Again, I just think Buffalo riding that wave right now is just going to be a, a tough team considering the emotion that's going on in that locker room. Yeah, for sure. And and anybody who's not a Dolphins fan is, is basically going to be rooting for Buffalo in this one. So, uh, and Buffalo is going to be at home. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know we talked about that with the San Francisco Seattle game. Ten points is crazy. Again, assuming two of plays, I think ten points is is way too much. But we will have to wait until we get closer to you know, Sunday for to, to find out if he's actually going to play or not. The 430 game on Sunday is going to be the New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants are getting three points in that game. The over under for that one is 48 and a half. And these two teams played just a few weeks ago and the Giants hung in there with Minnesota in Minnesota where this game is going to be played, obviously, and only lost by three, which what do you know is the exact spread of this game? Uh, yeah, real, real, real imaginative there, Vegas. Uh, the Giants under first-year head coach Brian Dable have been one of the biggest surprises to me this year. I know that they had talent on their roster, but I didn't expect them to be this good this fast. The Vikings, on the other hand, also have plenty of talent, but really it's only on the offensive side of the ball. And as much as I'm not a Daniel Jones fan... Brian Dayball has him playing, dare I say, like a franchise QB. And as much as I do like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, he does have the dubious distinction of coming up short in big games like this. I think if the Giants can avoid turnovers, they can definitely run the ball on Minnesota and win the time of possession battle. And I actually like them to win this game outright. I think that... Obviously, they're going to have to play really good defense, which they have been doing for most of the season in order to win this one. But I, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to show up for this game. I think they believe in this coaching staff. I they've they've obviously turned around. Like I said, Daniel Jones. They've you know utilized their best offensive weapon for most of the season in Saquon Barkley, and they've gotten a bunch of you know I don't want to say no name wide receivers, but you know a couple of guys that probably most casual fans have never heard of before leading the way in this passing game for the Giants. So. I'm going to take the Giants in this one to win straight up. Obviously, I've taken them with the points as well. And uh, I like the under here because I think if if my prediction is correct and the Giants win, I believe it's going to have to be on the back of their defense and they're going to have to shut Minnesota down in order to do that. So I'm taking 
the under at 48 and a half in this one as well. Yeah. Uh, once again, I think we're, we are simpatico, Pat. Um, again, we get a lot of Giants info in the NFC East. And, uh, you know, we know these teams, the Eagles played the Giants twice. They played Minnesota once. They won all three matchups. We got to see these offenses and defenses. The couple things for me that stick out, yes, uh, you know, some recency bias to say that it looks like it could be competitive. Uh, it took a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer uh, to break a tie so that Minnesota could win in regulation. For a team that was 13-4, and four, um, you know, and a lot of people had pegged the second the Eagles looked like they were, had a chink in the armor to be that next team, uh, you know, and, and they just didn't really seem to have it because, yes, offensively they are skilled, uh, but they do give up the points because – for being a 13 and 14, they are minus three in point differential. Uh, the Giants are a minus six in a very tough division, uh, one of the hardest uh, in football, and they have one of the hardest strength of schedule when it all came down to the end of the season. A, a couple things that stick out to me, last four games, the New York football Giants have given up an average of only 17 and a half points. Uh, their time of possession throughout the season, this one for me is big too. Uh, Minnesota has a bit of a quick strike to them. Uh, whereas the Giants are a methodical offense, and they have to be because they do have some limitations. The Giants are 10th overall in time of possession, at keeping the ball, so that's a good thing. They control the clock, and that's always been the New York football Giants. They have always been a ball control offense, no matter who the coach has been, going back to Bill Parcells. Minnesota, 26th. So they're trying to either score quick, and then again, I think that's what happens. They put their defense on the heels and it's tough for them. Another factor to me is Brian Dayball versus Kevin O'Connell. Brian Dayball, not as a head coach, no, but he was an assistant with the New England Patriots for five Super Bowls. That gentleman has five Super Bowl rings. Kevin O'Connell has one from last year as the OC of the Rams, uh, and it wasn't a tough job, but it was a tough one in the Super Bowl as the defense carried them. Aaron Donald should have won the MVP. We all know that, but it is what it is now. It watered under the bridge. I think the New York Giants win the game outright as well. So the spread there is not a factor. And yes, the under, I think this is going to be a, a good old NFC beat em up type of game. Giants 20 and the Minnesota Vikings 17. I think the Vikings get one touchdown. Kirk Cousins likes to throw some picks and he's going to do a lot of that this time around, uh, you know, when it comes down to that. So I see three field goals and a touchdown with a two point conversion. I'm getting very technical with that. Yeah, you are specific. <laughs> that is, that is me seeing Captain Kirk implode and seeing Justin Jefferson and all them guys, Dalvin cook. I know got a little knock the other day. They said he's okay, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but unfortunately, Fred, I do like your giants to move on to the next round. They still suck. <laughs> they still suck though. Yeah. Well, for one, for one week, we'll, we'll, We'll jump on the Giants here. This will be the week that they lose because because we're on them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, we could, if we could if we could pick them every week, then we'd be all right. <laughs> all right, moving on to the Sunday night game: Baltimore at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is a six and a half point favorite in this one. The over under is forty three and a half. For me personally, I doubted Cincinnati every step of the way in last year's playoffs, and I'm not making that mistake again this year. Playoff games and Super Bowls are won by quarterbacks. That's just the way the league is now. Uh, it's the way that it's been. I went back and looked. Uh, and if you go back and look at history, there's really only one Super Bowl in recent memory that has been won by, you know, a quarterback who isn't considered, you know, maybe like a top 10 quarterback in the league. And that was obviously the Nick Foles year with the Eagles because he came in what week was it? Week 16, I think, when Carson Wentz went hurt, went down. 
and uh, and Foles stepped in as the backup. But that year, if you remember, Carson Wentz was playing at an elite level before he got hurt, and the Eagles were just crazy talented like everywhere else pretty much uh, on that offense and defense. So in most cases, the better quarterback is going to win, and I think that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. If you look back at last year, Matthew Stafford, he played out of his mind that, that last year, the whole year pretty much, and especially in the Rams' Super Bowl win. Uh, we've obviously got years of Tom Brady winning Super Bowls. I just think Joe Burrow is the the next guy in this line. And honestly, I wasn't big on him right away, but he has absolutely shown that he shows up in the biggest games and on the biggest stages. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but in a, a recent interview, I think it was right after the game, he, yep. he was asked uh, about their, their window uh, the Super Bowl window and and how big their window is or whatever and and he answered by saying the window is my whole career like you know our window is always open basically as long as I'm here and I, you just can't bet against the guy with that much confidence and that much swagger especially considering the Bengals have the talent around him right now to keep that window wide open for him I'm all over Cincinnati on this one I'm taking them even though they're giving six and a half points which is a you know again a fairly large spread. I just think Cincinnati will be able to score at home. Uh, I think if Lamar Jackson plays again, this is another one of those situations where we're not sure if the starter is going to be back or, you know, if he's going to still miss due, due to his injury. But I think if Lamar Jackson is back, I think the Ravens are going to be able to score as well. I think it's going to be a, a fairly high scoring game. So if Lamar Jackson plays, uh, I'm going to take the over. If he does not play, if he's not able to to get out there in this one, I'm going to take the under because I still think Cincinnati's going to score, but I think Cincinnati's defense is good enough to hold a Lamar Jackson-less Baltimore team, um, you know, to a relatively low number on, on that side of the ball. But uh, if, if Jackson's out there, I'd like the over. If not, I'm taking the under. But either way, uh, I'm taking Cincinnati, giving six and a half points in this one. Uh, yeah, kind of there with you again. Yeah, split the season series. Obviously, the earlier game in week five, you know, Different, different layout, different quarterback. Uh, to me, the yeah, that th- the whole game to me is is that X factor of if Lamar Jackson is going to play, if he's healthy enough to be Lamar Jackson, and uh, you know he's been sitting down for a few minutes. Is there a little bit of rust that's going to need to come off? I mean, obviously, sometimes they do a little closed door practices, different times of the year to see how you know, just to see how he's feeling, you know, let him throw the football. I know it's, it was a lower body injury. It's like the knee, the legs are, you know, he's a guy that makes his bones off his mobility. So is that going to be something that plays into plays into any coaching decision? So uh, I, it's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, again, I think for him to get back out there personally and kill it, you know, be the MVP that we saw that guy, I, I just, I don't, think it's going to happen uh but i do think because of these teams you know and and the established games that have happened so far you're talking about a a two-point baltimore win in week five and then you had an 11-point victory with cincinnati winning i kind of feel that is why the line is right where it is that six and a half where you might say well cincinnati should blow them out with the momentum and the swag and everything else and it's the back-to-back home games but this this is one of the other games that if you look back, you got Seattle, San Fran, you got Miami, Buffalo. This is another division matchup. So these teams do know each other. And we talk about the AFC North being a very physical beat them up 
division. Cincinnati embarrassed a lot of teams, including Baltimore last year, with their vaunted defense that they don't have this year. Uh, they came back down to earth. They finally realized who they are. I think regardless, um, Lamar is a factor, but not as much. I like Cincinnati on the money line. Uh, I think Baltimore covers the spread. Uh, I don't think Cincinnati is going to come out and tip all their playoff cards. They're going to win the game. Uh, I don't think it's a blowout. Uh, I feel like a 28 to 24 final. Uh, and that is going to have me, uh, let me double check. I think I had under. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to put me over. I apologize. That's going to put me over the total of 43 and a half. All right. The last game of the week is going to be the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday Night Football. Dallas is the second team here coming in as a road favorite. They're favored by three points in this one, and the over-under is 45 and a half. Dallas comes into this game having just lost to the Washington Commanders 26 to 6. And as much as that might scare some people, I have a hard time thinking that Dallas wasn't looking past that game, knowing that the Eagles were probably going to win the division and the number one seed with the Giants resting most of their starters. I think that Dallas's defense is one of the best in the league, and Tampa Bay really hasn't looked very good at any point this season. They won the worst division in the NFC with a sub-500 record, and they haven't looked like a contender pretty much at all this year. I know doubting Tom Brady is generally a losing proposition, but this year I just can't see the Bucks getting it together under head coach Todd Bowles. I don't like, you know, dunking on players or, or crapping on players or coaches, but I've just never been a fan of Todd Bowles. I never thought he's was head coach material. I still don't. I think he's a fine human being, but I think he's one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. He plays everything by the book, takes no risks. Even with Tom Brady, the greatest of all time at quarterback, he still hesitates to go for it on fourth down in spots where he should. And he just plays scared. Like he, he's just, he's too timid. And, you know, the reason that, that Brady was able to take the Bucks to the, and win the Super Bowl two years ago was because Bruce Arians was a guy who was like, let's go out and win these games. Todd Bowles is one of those guys that's like, let's not go out and lose this game. It's like the prevent defense. Like, what the only thing it prevents you from doing is winning the game, they say. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's the way Todd Bowles plays because he's a defensive minded coach. His greatest strength with the Tampa Bay Bucks is on offense, and he doesn't utilize that the way that I think a good head coach would. Most of the time, he looks like he has no idea what's going on in the game. Uh, you never see him on the sideline saying anything or making any decisions. He just stands there and watches the game with that stupid grin on his face. Like I'm, I'm not trying to like dog the guy out, but like I really, I really just don't like him as a head coach. Not that my long lost cousin Mike McCarthy is much better uh, as a head coach, <laughs> but I just think Dallas has more playmakers on both sides of the ball. So I'm, I'm going to begrudgingly take the Cowboys in this one minus the three, and uh, and I'm going to take the under because even though that I think both of these offenses can score, you haven't seen it from the Bucks, and the Cowboys defense has been playing really well, and honestly, the Cowboys offense hasn't been playing as as well as they could now. All of that could change come playoff time. People could lock in and absolutely, you know, this could be a barn burner and a 70-point, you know, game, like one of those 38, 35, you know, type games. But I just feel like 
This is going to be a game where Dallas leans on the defense. Both teams try to not turn the ball over, and Dallas is, is going to escape this one with a with a narrow victory. So I'm taking Dallas in this one, given the three points uh, on the money line and against the spread. And uh, I'm going to take the under in this one and, and, and pander to the defenses in this game. All right. Uh, this is where I get off, um, <laughs> albeit personal you know, opinions aside. And speaking of personal opinions, um, Todd Bowles, I actually like you. I just want to make you feel special because I know somebody just – he didn't mean to dunk on you, but you – know, <laughs> I like him that. as a person. I think he's, an, I think he's a, a, an exceptional human being. I've seen interviews, and he, I, like as a person, I think he's a great person. I just don't think he has what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL. I think he's a very, very, very good, maybe one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. I just don't think he's head coach material. That's all. Uh, no, I'm done now. Sorry. I, I, I'll give it a second, folks. He may have more. <laughs> I don't know. I think this goes back to, you know, I'll mute my mic now when the, uh, back when the, when the Washington, when they were the Redskins, when the Washington Redskins had Super Bowl championships, you know, and, and the Eagles were, were struggling. Todd Bowles was always a tough defensive back back then. So I could see where some of that is just, you know, it's psychosomatic. It's just bubbling to the surface, all that top of hate. <laughs> and it's understandable. It's totally fine, which is kind of where I angle with this a little bit. But I'd, I'd like to use some stats to back up my hate. So Dallas Cowboys are 12 and 5 against the bum fight division winner, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 8 and 9. Dallas is giving three and it's 45 and a half. Both teams coming in losing a game. Dallas plus 125 point differential, Tampa Bay minus 45. All signs point to a Dallas Cowboys victory. Heck, they're a, they're a road minus three, so that would be pretty much a touchdown favorite at home. Week one of the season, Tampa Bay did knock off the Dallas Cowboys 19-3. to uh, We're going way back into September. That was when Dak Prescott broke his hand and had to miss some time and, and whatnot. You know, you're starting to see some things in, in the NFL that, you know, changed the game, and, and a lot of people thought that, these quarterbacks are starting to fade. Aaron Rodgers couldn't make the playoffs. Russell Wilson looks like Russ is cooked, not Russ is cooking. And Tom Brady, a uh, tumultuous personal and professional offseason uh, that has seemed to carry over to, um, to this season. And yet you turn around and he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I'm not a fan. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going Todd Bowles hate like some people. But uh, I'm definitely not going to go um, super hate on Brady. The biggest stats to me are, are just that, you know, it is Tom Brady. So you, you can't count him out until it's over. Uh, last year, they were a, a blown coverage away from possibly making it to uh, to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, to say the least. They look like they had kind of turned things around there. Uh, you're talking about, yes, Todd Bowles, not Bruce Arians as your head coach. So you have that. Tom Brady against the Dallas Cowboys in his career is 7-0, and 3-0 against Dak Prescott in that time. Dak Prescott is 2-2 two and two on the flip side of that. I don't think that it's going to be any type of a blowout by any stretch. I think that the Dak Prescott this year has thrown 15 interceptions. I think that hand is an issue. I think that Tampa Bay may have been saving up a little bit of strength. They've been very injured throughout the season. They've lost multiple players, offense and defense. That does play into it. When you're playing constant second and third stringers, you're going to find it hard to win. Tampa Bay, again, just slipped through that division and were able to 
you know, make it out alive, so to speak. Uh, you know, they have some very bad losses. They have some tough losses. The one thing I think that kind of gives me signs that Brady could be that guy to lead them. The New Orleans Saints, their division rival, had owned Brady, especially since he had gotten into Tampa Bay. Uh, he swept that season series, uh, so he kind of got that monkey off his back, so to speak. I think the Dallas Cowboys lose. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I like them on the money line. Uh, of course, that would mean I like them with the spread. And the under 45, over under 45, I will take the under. The way I'm looking at this, it's going to be just like Tampa Bay's games have been. They're going to be physical. They're going to be ugly. And I think they're going to be low scoring. And I see something along the lines of 21 to 17, Tampa Bay taking it and moving on and knocking Dallas off. Again, that home field advantage will have a little bit of a factor. Cowboys did not have a great road record. They were eight and one at home, but four and four on the road. Tampa Bay obviously just didn't have a good record, but they did win. They did have a winning record at home. And again, it's just Tom Brady versus Dak Prescott. Too many interceptions on that side of the ball. Uh, yes, they have a good defense, but Brady will find the holes in it like he's done time and time again against the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady, ironically, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, both TBs, they're going to move on. And again, Tampa Bay money line, Tampa Bay spread, and I like the under 45 and a half with Tampa Bay taking it 21 to 17. I'm glad we were different somewhere because uh, I was going to say these is this, we're going to just basically be a tie after the wild card weekend. Uh, if uh, yeah, you got a couple blips on yeah, the radar there, yeah, a little, great minds a think alike. Yeah, but you know those are the those are probably the games that are the hardest to pick, honestly. Too, I, I think the ones that were that were different on. I, I definitely struggled with this Cowboys Bucks game because, like you said, it's Tom Brady. Like, how do you how do you bet against Tom Brady? But you know, to me, just he hasn't. He hasn't had it this year, and I don't know if it's the like you said the whole off the field stuff with the divorce and all of that, or if it's you know maybe his age is finally catching up to him. I don't know, but I just to me I haven't uh, I haven't seen him come through in any spots where he normally does, and uh, and maybe that's because he hadn't been in the playoffs yet. I don't know, but uh, he's, well, and I I think we're taking that you and I both. I think we you know we saw the way he started out and it didn't look good, but then. When you turn around and look based on, you know, just basic, I guess, what do you, whatever you want to call it, basic statistics that, you know, he's basically up there. It's, it's Mahomes, it's Herbert and Tom Brady are your top three quarterbacks, you know, one yardage and, uh, you know, the touchdowns aren't quite where they used to be, but that touchdown interception, you know, he keeps that kind of low. He's gotten sacked a little bit. I think that's physically beat him up. And you and I joked earlier in the year that he didn't look he didn't look like Tom Brady, you know what I mean? As, as the season kind of went on, he definitely looked to be almost a physical shell of himself. I think one of the biggest things too, is that defense was so tough for so long and they finally have given up the ghost where they were a top two or three defense. They gave up a ton of yards this season. They were in the bottom half of, of the league when it comes to that, you know, they, they don't give up a lot passing, but they do give up that ground game where they just try to get ball controlled. And that's another one where, uh, you know, that factor, when you kind of look at things, both of those teams, Dallas and Tampa Bay, aren't looking to hold on to the football. I feel like your guy, Todd Bowles, your favorite coach ever, is mm -hmm. going to kind of keep things as conservative as possible. And it's not hard to fool Mike McCarthy. Yeah, the guy wins games, but I think he wins in spite of himself because he's got a talented team. And I, again, yeah, it's, it's, it's that Brady factor. It'd be the same thing in a Kansas City matchup that we'll get into next week where 
depending on who they play, it could look like a tough matchup. But then you look at that quarterback who can just make magic happen with one play. And and he's a guy that was written off this season after losing Tyreek Hill and turned around and made it look like never missed a beat. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I, Mahomes has definitely been a uh, – he's surprised me this year. I, I definitely thought that he was going to drop off and – he, he did the exact opposite and stepped up. But uh, like you said, we'll get into that next week when uh, Kansas City and Philadelphia get their chance to, to make their way onto the podcast once we figure out who their matchups are. I think that's going to do it for this one, though. We are just about out of time. Don't forget to check out our website, www.thenineroutefb.com. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and follow wherever you are listening on the podcast. That definitely helps us to continue doing what we're doing. And follow us on social media. Like we said, we're going to be putting out those award nominees here shortly. And uh, we want to make sure that we get everybody's vote on all of those different awards. So follow us on Twitter. We are at the nine route one and at Scott from Delco. Real quick, before we head out, I would like to thank Mickey's Portocol Pub in Tuckerton, New Jersey. If you're looking for a great place to watch the NFL on Sunday, Mickey's is it. Great food, drink specials, and all the football you can handle. Mickey's Pub, 327 East Main Street in Tuckerton, New Jersey. Drop by there Saturday, Sunday, Monday, anytime during these games. I know during the uh, during the regular season they have specials. I believe they have some football specials as well uh, during the Sunday games. They will keep that going up until the Super Bowl. And uh, definitely check that out if you are in the area. Scott, any, any famous last words before we uh, sign off for the night? Well, uh, again, good luck to everybody out there. We thank you for listening. Uh, again, we are not saying that you should uh, wager anything on this. This is just for informational and entertainment purposes only. That being said, Pat, I hope to crush you into the ground with whatever <laughs> little wiggle room we got here for that sake of a pick or two. Uh, but no, great minds think alike. And again, this is an interesting week. A lot of divisional matchups, folks. Enjoy the game Saturday, Sunday, and then the Monday night cap with Dallas and Tampa Bay. Uh, For Pat, I am Scott. We thank you all for listening. Please keep it up. We appreciate your love and support. And we will catch you later and talk to you next week when we move into the NFC and AFC Divisional Playoff Games. Peace.